morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Friday, October 5th, a shortage of banks in Imperial County. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The 2021 School Safety Summit took place on Thursday. It brought together over 145 community members to learn about best practices to prevent targeted school violence. Tim Ware is the coordinator for school safety and security for the San Diego County Office of Education. We have to shore up our foundation from a social standpoint and not just continue to put band-aids on things. So this is important to open the eyes of people and say, look, we need to do more. The County Office of Education is introducing an online school safety toolkit that will help administrators, educators, and teachers keep students safe. The Pentagon released a new report showing San Diego County receives more money from the Pentagon than almost any other county in the country. Aside from defense contracting, San Diego County leads the country in the amount spent on military payroll. More than $7 billion was spent locally on personnel in 2020. That's well above the second largest payroll in Honolulu, Hawaii. The San Diego Humane Society says it's in need of volunteers willing to foster animals for one to three months over the holiday season. One of the foster options is the Safety Net Foster Program, intended to keep pet owners facing hardships from having to give up their pets. According to SDHS, by offering a foster solution, the pet never has to enter the shelter system and can return to their family where they belong after a temporary stay with a foster volunteer. From KP. You are listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Beth Accomando, KPBS arts reporter and host of the Cinema Junkie podcast. I'm also a geeky gourmet who likes to bake food themed to the movies I watch, like chocolate blood to savor with Dracula. Or an extra chewy Wookiee cookie to enjoy with Star Wars. I'm geeky about the things I love, and that makes me a public radio geek as well. I love being able to connect with audiences just like you through TV, radio, the web, and podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. So, are you a KPBS geek? If so, then I'm asking you to get in touch with your inner nerd and become a member of KPBS today. Just go to kpbs.org and click the blue Give Now button and make a donation. That's right, let's geek out together about the things we love. Access to banking is an important part of a community's health. And as KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim finds, in Imperial County, a shortage of bank branches and rising temperatures can be a dangerous mix. Noon is still hours away on a Tuesday in early August, but the streets of El Centro, California are so hot, it feels like the soles of your shoes could melt into the asphalt. Suffering in this heat are lines of people, many elderly, outside of Bank of America and Wells Fargo's branches. Beads of sweat form on the faces of customers as they wait patiently to use the ATM or talk to a teller. Juan Sequeria is an agricultural worker from Holtville, California. 
He waited an hour just to use the Bank of America ATM during his break. He says during the high heat season, the wait for an ATM is unbearable because there's no shade. Maria Lopez is retired and lives here in El Centro. She says she nearly fainted once when waiting at the bank on a hot day. She was rushed indoors where it was cooler. But to this day, she can't be out in the heat for long without getting sick. The local Wells Fargo branches in El Centro and Calexico have devised systems so that people have access to shade and someone is always there directing the flow of people. So how did it come to this? El Centro is an imperial county, situated on the edge of the Anza Borrego Desert State Park. But the region is at risk of becoming another type of desert, a banking desert. There are only 12 brick-and-mortar FDIC-insured banks for Imperial County's over 180,000 predominantly Latino and low-income residents, down from 19 as recently as 2013. I think we have seen a fair amount of branch consolidation um, in the past several years. That's Beth Mills, a spokesperson for the Western Bankers Association. She says consumer habits are driving the change, making branches less important. There's been a lot less people going into branches now with everyone doing mobile banking, not everyone, but a huge majority. But Jaisal Mendoza, the director of the Imperial Valley Small Businesses Development Center, says not everyone is online savvy and the lack of bank branches can be challenging for the small business owners she works with. The culture here is very different. Um, I can honestly say most business owners want to sit down um, and sit in front of a person and know who they're conducting business with. Maria Lopez, who nearly fainted while waiting in line that one time, no sé hacer eso, mi... tells me she doesn't know how to bank online and isn't interested. She wishes there were more banks in the area so people wouldn't have to wait so long. Juan Lopez, a spokesperson for Wells Fargo who grew up in Imperial County, is no stranger to the lines. His own mom likes to go in and talk with the teller. I ask him if he thinks more branches would help alleviate the lines. Probably not the best person to answer that, but I would say, I would say a very strong maybe. He does say, however, that when the branches started to close in Calexico a few years ago, the lines got longer. As those shutter and leave the, the community, the lines just get progressively worse because you know, we're the only bank there in Calexico especially. Less than a mile from the Mexico border and littered with cash-checking places, Calexico only has the single Wells Fargo branch, where lines can take up to three hours. California State Senator Ben Weso represents Imperial County. He told KBBS in a statement that banking access is, quote, a huge problem in the Valley. Weso has co-authored two recent bills that have paved the way for public banking options, which he says are needed because, quote, this issue is not going away. For now, though, people are still lining up at Imperial's few bank branches, no matter what the thermometer reads. And that was KPBS Race and Equity reporter Christina Kim. The family of a man killed by Border Patrol is calling for an investigation into secret shadow units that allegedly cover up agent misconduct. KPBS's Tanya Thorne has more. It's been 11 years since the death of Anastasio Hernandez Rojas, who was beaten by Border Patrol agents near the San Isidro port of entry. 
His death was ruled a homicide, but no charges against the agents involved were filed. Now, new evidence suggests that an internal Border Patrol team interfered with the investigation. Border Patrol's critical incident investigative teams, or SIT teams, operate without any lawful authority to do so. We were able to view the SIT parallel report and compare it with SDPD's reports and found that the SIT altered government documents and withheld critical information. Michelle Soleri is the Human Rights Counsel for Alliance San Diego, the organization representing Anastasio's widow, Maria Puga. Puga and justice advocates delivered a letter to the district attorney's office requesting an investigation into these so-called shadow units. A statement from the district attorney's office said, the district attorney's office stands ready to pursue justice when the evidence supports it and where we have jurisdiction. A spokesperson for CBP told us that the U.S. Border Patrol disbanded their critical incident team in San Diego several years ago. And that was KPBS's Tanya Thorne. Federal regulators have announced new rules on vaccinations for private companies with 100 or more workers. They must require their employees to be fully vaccinated by January 4th or require that employees undergo weekly testing. KPBS's Kitty Alvarado has more on how this would affect local workers. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration says it issued this emergency standard to protect the nation's unvaccinated workers. Todd Walters is the president of the United Food and Commercial Workers Union in San Diego. He says unions still have the right to negotiate terms with employers. The union position is we don't want to see members losing their jobs because of the vaccine mandates. Medical and religious exemptions will be allowed, but those who qualify will face weekly testing and must wear masks. While employers are off the hook for the cost of testing, they will be fined $14,000 per violation. And that was KPBS's Kitty Alvarado. Coming up, misinformation about vaccines for kids is already spreading online after the CDC approved COVID-19 vaccines for kids ages 5 to 11 this week. We'll have a full fact check on kids and vaccines for them next, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.
This week, the CDC approved COVID-19 vaccinations for children ages 5 to 11. But misinformation about kids and the vaccines continues to spread on social media. Cap Radio's PolitiFact California reporter Chris Nichols explains the facts in this week's Can You Handle the Truth segment. He spoke with anchor Randall White. Chris, throughout the pandemic, false information about kids and COVID-19 has persisted, including the claim that children don't get sick from the coronavirus and don't need to be vaccinated. What are the facts on this? Hey, Randall, you're right. There has been a lot of bad information on this topic. Here's what we know. Children tend to get more mild cases of COVID-19. It's rare for them to get really sick or be hospitalized, but there are exceptions. Yolo County Public Health Officer Amy Sisson told a virtual town hall this week the disease can still have serious consequences for children. She cited CDC data. Across the United States since the beginning of the pandemic, 791 children ages 0 to 17 have died from COVID, and 172 of these were between the ages of 5 and 11, which are the ages that we're talking about expanding vaccine authorization into. Sisson said she strongly recommends children get vaccinated against COVID-19. Given that there are millions of children in the United States, some skeptics might say the figures for child hospitalizations and deaths are low. What do experts say about that? Well, as Sisson pointed out in this town hall, the numbers might seem small, but that's because child deaths are always rare from any cause. But COVID-19 has become one of the leading causes of death for kids this year. Among children ages 5 through 14, it ranked as the number six leading cause of death in August and September. And that's according to the nonprofit Kaiser Family Foundation. Chris, that's pretty sobering. Still, there are many people, including parents, who have questions about whether the COVID-19 vaccine itself is safe for children. What do we know about this? To be approved for children, COVID-19 vaccines have to go through a lengthy process. They are tested in human trials and must meet the FDA's standards for safety and effectiveness. When they recommended the vaccine for young children this week, both the FDA and CDC pointed to the results of the trials conducted by Pfizer for their vaccine for children ages 5 to 11. And remind us what those studies found. Pfizer's study included 4,600 children worldwide, and it found its vaccine was 90% effective against COVID-19 among young children. Notably, the vaccine for kids 5 to 11 will be in one-third the dose given to teens and adults. Finally, Chris, concerns have been raised about the COVID-19 vaccine's connection to young people developing myocarditis and inflammation of the heart muscle. What do we know about that? The CDC has confirmed nearly 900 cases of vaccine-related myocarditis in people aged 30 or younger, but cases have generally been mild and there have been no deaths. But health officials say the coronavirus itself is more likely to cause myocarditis than the vaccine. One pediatric cardiologist who studies the disease for the CDC said this week, quote, the bottom line is getting COVID is much riskier to the heart than getting this vaccine, end quote. And that was Cap Radio's PolitiFact California reporter, Chris Nichols, speaking with anchor Randall White.
And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.